Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's Hawkeye. Macaroni in a pot! Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Hawkeye, Episode 5, titled Ronin. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, make sure you go do that, and then come right back to join us faster than a speeding arrow. Now, before we all find out who our mom's really been hanging out with this season, let me introduce you to the incredible masked vigilantes joining us this week. First up, he's a straight shooter whose aim with a camera is right on target. He's Justin Lawrence. Yeah, but I still wouldn't leave a reveal to a cell phone photo. Let me just say that. Okay. Oh, Okay, all right, interesting. Uh, you're starting to sound like my next vigilante who, you know, he takes no bullseyes from nobody. Uh, and he's always ready to let loose. He's the king of Christmas, Kevin the Hawkman Hudson. I think Justin's coming in with the Grinchy vibes today. I wasn't uh, right. nearly as bothered by the reveal. Okay, all right, okay, we'll dig into it, we'll dig into it. But listen, before we do, he's back. Through the New York snow and the dank, dank fog, he's our very own pizza dog. He's Darcy from the comics, Hudson. How's it going tonight? It's going, I'm going good. I, I didn't mind that reveal either. Just right? That, that's how we're opening this episode. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a whole Marvel week for us. We're, we're on the, the cusps of what, Spider Eve? Is that what we're going to call it? Uh, you yes. know, we had Spider Spider's Monday. Eve. Now. I like that. That's good. Spider, yeah. <laughs> Spider's Eve. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's fun to get all this Marvel goodness uh, at one time. Um, so let's get right to it. Let's sit down around a big pot of mac and cheese and get right into this penultimate episode. You got hot sauce? Yes, I've got some hot sauce. You can squirt it all over whatever you want, dude. But listen, the episode starts with a cold open focusing on Yelena in 2018 as she and her partner Sonia break into former Black Widow Anna's apartment only to discover she isn't brainwashed and that she's been doing contract assassinations and making a ton of money. After things settle down, the three of them gather around the ruined $20,000 rug to discuss Yelena's past few years helping to recover lost black widows. Then, after being asked about her sister, we see Yelena head to the washroom, where she blips forward five years, only to discover that now Anna has a husband and an adopted daughter. She gathers her thoughts and asks Anna to help her find Natasha to let her know she's okay. So very interesting sort of, uh, yet again, we get another sort of cold open in this series. Uh, Kevin, you know, you've, so far you've been ranking the cold opens. What did you think of this moment from this sort of pre-Black Widow end credits scene? Yeah, no, I think uh, any chance we get to see a different perspective of the blip, it's always quite interesting. And this certainly delivered uh, in that aspect. I thought it was a really cool way to sort of just sort of demonstrate how wild that would be for somebody to sort of jump ahead five years in the matter of a seconds. Yeah, it's we've seen the blip before, but it's not been we've not seen the before and after. You know what I mean? Like we've we've really just sort of focused on the after. So yeah, it's crazy. Like everyone basically time traveled, I guess. Well it's also I think how instantaneous that moment just felt, right? Like from dust and back. Right. And even when she came back, the walls were still changing around her. I think it's just interesting though for for this character, you know, it's interesting that sort of the trajectory we meet her back up with in the episode because 
you know, as far as what she's doing now, she's kind of gotten out of that sort of being used as a weapon, sort of being manipulated. And, and she was doing her, her thing, saving Black Widow. It's such a great sort of arc for that character. And now she's, you know, in the episode, obviously she's right back to being manipulated again. I actually have something to comment about that. I mean, we'll get into it later, but I'm on a different... I feel like it's a different story once you get into what she does later on in the episode. So oh. I don't know if she's back to being just a weapon for hire anymore. Interesting. Maybe she might she might be doing a, a, a double con there. But I also think that, you know, it kind of gives her an alignment to uh, Clint's character and his Ronin persona and a bit of, uh, you know, through the loss of another being weaponized and, and you know, uh, accepting the, the hard reality of, of what she does and her, what her skill set is and what she can do really well. Uh, but I would be interested to hear as, as we get through it, Darcy, your, your take on that. I, I think that moment that really hit for me with uh, Florence Pugh and her acting ability in this episode literally is just the moment where she asks about Natasha. And, and there's silence and you don't see anything. And it's almost like like the, for a second, I was kind of like, oh, I kind of wish that she we got to see her, you know, sort of finding out about her sister's death. Like that would have been a really striking performance. But I think this sort of I think it, it did did enough. Um, and so I, I really, really I just I wonder how she found out that her sister is dead. Like, who do you th- who do you think she she spoke to? Do you think Anna, Anna would have well, known or it would have been all over the news, it, I guess. Right. I more than likely. Or if we're made to believe that this happens like right in that moment, then when she's like probably talking to them, mm-hmm. the events of what's happening at, at, you know, the Avengers compound with uh, Thanos reigning terror on on the compound. I think that's happening at the same time of when she's actually finding out. Oh, I guess it right? would like, everything's, be right, yeah. Everything's happening at once. So probably right. Like she probably didn't know right away and it, it kind of went down a rabbit hole of her to find out that yeah well she was off world and died yeah i think that we can i think we can safely say probably that was the case i mean i guess at the at, you know the same time she she would have found that she would have died but then as far as how she died or how she thinks natasha would have died obviously we got to see at the end of black widow uh and it's all a big lie uh so we cut back to see an incredibly defeated Kate back at her mom's place where Eleanor consoles her as we get a glimpse of you know her room and her first bow uh, as well as her her disappointment where she sort of uh, she's kind of disappointed in where she believes her path is going she's kind of lost all hope she explains all the incriminating things that her and Clint found on Jack including the shell company Sloan Limited uh, and her mom promises to look into it this scene is paired with another one, uh, a lot of mirrors in this episode, mirroring, you know, we see Kazi tending to Maya's wounds uh, while he's begging her to stop after they kill Clint. So guys, seeing these two main characters both seemingly being deceived by the people taking yeah, care of them, do you, think, yeah. do you think this, yeah, do you think this leads to, you know, more common ground amongst them? Like, are we going to see them kind of at least recognize that in this finale? A hundred percent. That's 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 the takeaway that I at least had is that they are really trying to draw a parallel or a a mirror, a juxtaposition, whatever you want to call it, to these two characters that are rivals to one another. Well, and they're 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 going to have a common enemy now. Obviously, they'll have to sort of join forces to to take down the bigger threat. Yeah, I, I mean, I really 
I hope that's the case. I do hope, because I think Echo, especially going into the series of Echo and us following her, they've got to find a way to redeem that character a little bit more. And obviously her backstory and, and getting her sort of that similarity to, to Kate is is what's going to help define that. And also, like, as as much as she is integral to this series, she hasn't really been showcased that much. But the excitement of the potential of her series is what really gets fans going. I think announcing that there's a show that's going to focus on her really does help getting interested in this character enough that you want to go see the next part of her story. Especially paired with the reveal that happens at the end of the episode. I mean, again, going coming from the comic side, it's she's very entwined with that reveal. So having that to look forward to for her own series really sets up a lot. Not let, like, Aside from the whole Kate Bishop parallels there I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes and i guess it'll give it gives marvel uh, and these writers a bit of an out to sort of say well we don't have to tie up every loose end with her character in this show we, mm-hmm. we've got a whole new another show so is that an out or is that just not what they do that is what well, they i guess do, that's right? what they, i guess that's okay. what they do um well so then we see kate back at her place you know gathering her things like her mom asked her to and uh and then she realizes she's not alone she tosses a sriracha bottle and it's caught by Yelena, who convinces Kate to sit down for a girls' night and a pot of mac and cheese to discuss things around, you know, the things to see around New York, uh, as well as to ask her how well she really knows Clint Barton. So, guys, you know, this scene, I think, was quite a a big standout for a lot of people. I know a lot of us were waiting to, obviously, for the Yelena reveal, but then, you know, it was just a really brief moment. So getting to actually see her talk here was awesome. My question is here, you know, Yelena obviously believes that Clint is a terrible person and Kate not knowing everything he did as Ronan is still defending him. Is Clint Barton a hero? I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think, again, he he acts for the greater good of humanity for the most part, except he went down a dark hole with the loss of a loved one. I mean, he's we even see him struggling with that to like, still. Like it's a, it's a, a lasting part of who he is going forward. So I think he is ashamed of himself even throughout the episode he's saying he's no one's role model because he knows where he came from right but he mm-hmm. still is thinking of the greater good when he's saying that so I'm, I'm still convinced he is a hero and he's trying to atone for his sins in any way he can i think hmm. yeah he carries the guilt and we, we've we've been able to see that throughout this series you know morally I, I think anyone in the in their rightful mind would say well he's killing people therefore he is not a hero uh, but other people would say, well, what kind of people is he killing, right? Like if he is eliminating uh, larger threats, and as he saw it, the people that survived that were these larger threats, but his family did not survive the blip. You know, he was justifying, he created that justification of why he was a hero. And and again, he was a weapon. He 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 recognizes that that's what he was. And I think, you know, stemming from his his sort of PSD of, of the whole experience, it, it kind of goes even just before him being Hawkeye, especially when he has that moment with Kate Bishop when he's talking with her and he 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 reminisces about before he became a hero, before he became an Avenger, right? That he did some terrible things. So I think, you know, I think if anything, Natasha was really the 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 turning point for Clint in his journey. I kind of have an answer for my own question is and it's a cop out, but it's like, you know, this isn't the weaponized Ronin version of himself right like we see the way he is with his kids we see the way he is with with kate and so i think as much as this is like a cop-out answer i think you know hawkeye is a good guy clint is a good guy the ronin is the villain and i think you know he's he's a, a murderer who kills people for sometimes unfortunately just being in the presence of much worse people 
And you kind of have to look at that in, in, in different lights. And I think that's the show is doing such a really good job at that in the sense of like, you know, we get to see this side of what is an Avenger, right? Oh, so because they're an Avenger, they can just kind of get away with doing some of these things. Um, and again, it sort of plays back to we just finished our Spider-Man you know, rewatch and it just talks, you know, especially for um, the the Holland Spider-Man universe, our MCU, those villains that are sort of left in the wake of the aftermath of the Avengers. It just plays yeah. on that trope so well. And yeah. I just I loved how they were able to still incorporate that into Elena's story. I'm, I was getting just, just in the whole Ronan thing. I got very strong Punisher vibes, which is very appropriate. And again, going back to the reveal, it seems like uh, the Punisher is looked at as an anti-hero. He's still trying to fight for the for good. He's just doing it in incredibly vicious ways, and people still think he's a hero in that regard. So he's an anti-hero. I wouldn't call him a villain because he wasn't going around killing good people or innocents. He was hunting down evil just with ruthless means. So that's just exactly. That was my take on his whole character. I, I totally, I totally agree. And I think also too, if we think about the potential of future characters, uh, like Daredevil, like potentially uh, a Punisher or even a Moon Knight, uh, you know, I think there is they're laying the groundwork for the audience to start questioning the antihero and where they fit into this whole hero superhero mentality uh, right. of of the MCU. So I think that there's an interesting dialogue that's being established with Clint's character of of being Hawkeye and the Ronin in this series that that is going to have uh, a very very large impact on on the MCU and and the kind of heroes that we'll see in 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 the future. And I mean that's going to really help if they can establish this template for the MCU when they bring in Venom. Right. Like when they bring in this antihero of Venom, I think that's going to really, really help to elevate that character. And but I just do you want think, yeah, the okay, MCU. Anyway. I want MCU to writers just to write Venom for the rest of well, my life. I don't, I don't want to put back in the hands of Sony. Well, and Deadpool, too. If you think of Deadpool coming yeah. in, Dr. Two, well, he's, Deadpool a, is, he's one of the biggest antiheroes out there. He's yeah. using guns for sure. to kill everything, basically. <laughs> exactly. That's that's a really good call because we know that there's going to be a Deadpool movie coming out. But like even in versus something like, you know, a Venom, I think that's still going to be played close to their chest for Sony in, in mm. that they don't necessarily need to worry about it. It just depends on, you know, I guess if Sony really does open the gates of Spider-Man to allow uh, Marvel to really impact and influence. I guess we'll wait and see until tomorrow. But anyways, we're talking I about think I, on, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, regardless of what the actual movie does, uh, you know, the, the No Way Home, uh, the numbers, the box office numbers, I think that's going to have a lot of sway for uh, for how that's going to affect uh, our our Spider-Man characters going forward. But um, I just wanted to quickly ask you guys, I need the power of all the geeks in the room here to to help me with this one. Yelena mentioned something that I thought was super intriguing, especially going into this new movie. She says, I, I'm excited to see all the different sites. And she lists the improved Statue of Liberty. Does this play, take place before or after No Way Home? Because in those trailers for No Way Home, we do see the Captain America shield Statue of Liberty What's going on here? So I, I, I actually did some digging because after the the uh, the reveal of the Rogers play through one of the clips that people mm -hmm. were just able to screen grab, I think that's the beginning of when the play is running because we obviously know that where uh, Far From Home ends is where Way Home is going to begin right at that Correct. moment. So yeah. it's going to carry right in. The Statue of Liberty piece as well obviously indicates that this has happened after. And I think they've said it's about a year to two years after the events of the blip 
And I believe Spider-Man uh, Far From Home is six months after the blip. So we're looking at like definitely past and present, if you will, or future. I, it's it's <laughs> it's definitely opposite ends of the of the spectrum. But I did notice the Statue of Liberty piece, and I think that is a really good nod to say that this is happening after the events of uh, No Way Home, which also again ties into the reveal of what's going to happen at what we got at the end. Wow. Interesting. It So, I mean, at least we know New York is going to be okay in some form or fashion uh, at the end of this movie. Uh, huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, listen. Meanwhile, Clint shows up at Grill's place, uh, and Grill's lets him know that Missy dropped off the new outfits for him and Kate, but unfortunately, we, we didn't get to see them just yet uh, because Clint, you know, as, as he deserves to do, uh, passes out on the couch. Uh, then we see the arrest of Jack Duquesne. Uh, is that how you pronounce that? Duquesne? <laughs> Duquesne? Duquesne? It's just Duquesne? Duquesne. Okay. Jack yeah. Duquesne. Uh, at the, is the S-N-E, is that like a silent thing? Is that what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it's a French thing. <laughs> oh, it's a French thing. Sorry yeah. to all our French <laughs> listeners. Uh, so then we see the arrest of Jack Duquesne at Eleanor's flat. Kate walks in as she hugs her mom and apologizes. So is this an act... Like, is, is this an act? Is Are those even real agents arresting him? Why is he so calm yeah. and collected? What's going on? I don't know. Again, I it, it feels like a waste of a character to me so far because he's so far he just comes off as a joke despite having all this potential and uh, from the comics as Hawkeye's mentor right. uh, to a certain extent. So just having all that and then even the teases of him picking up a sword and just seeing him go down this easy, I don't know if he's coming back. I don't... It's... It's weird. His character is still very up in the air for me, and I, I don't know if I'm a fan, so just yet. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think they've been writing him very, like, oddly. They, they've just written him as, like, the, the sort of flaky guy who just doesn't understand what's going on, and he's being used by Eleanor, or he's involved. Like, he's very much involved, involved. And it's and it's got to be, like, a long con kind of thing, and that's why he's so calm and cool. And we know that they're actually cops or agents, because didn't one of the... Uh, cops that was there that was more it was of the, the same that agent out. that called her yep you're right yeah right yep. so okay. so i think that we we can obviously affirm that they are real cops but yeah he was way too cool way too calm and it felt it felt like he had it under control like he knew how he was gonna handle it right so Be- because when you're in the big guy's pocket you don't care you don't care at all what's going to happen. He can just and he's make got a deep phone pockets, call. right? He's got deep pockets. He's a big guy. He's got those suit jackets. Got massive pockets on it. So um, he, I think I think Jack is going to be just fine. But I don't know. I just thought he would try to make it look more like to make it look more convincing. He would act more upset. Like it's such a mis- mysterious way of him just being like, "I'll see you at Christmas party," and I'm just well, like, I- "What is going on?" I mean, I guess if you th- if you think about it with the connection at the end there, I, I wasn't putting that together when I was first watching it. Uh, but I guess if you look at it that way, maybe she's afraid because she knows the extent of power that that you know the big man has. So mm. she, there's a very good chance that he might favor him over her for whatever reason. So maybe that's what she's afraid of because she did kind of look a bit uh, perturbed after he said that. You know, as he's walking away. Right. So. Oh, interesting. interesting. So it's like they're they're trying to like con each other. Mm. Yes, they're trying to one up each other with the big mm. man. I just no matter what direction it goes in, it just feels like there's so much left for the show to have to explain to us with only yeah. one episode to go. Well, we have to also yeah. deal with like, didn't this all start from the murder of his uncle in the first episode, and we haven't really gotten back to the circumstances or of what's going on, and you know. That could be something very small and 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 very 
trivial in the in the grand scheme of things as we find out in the finale but yeah to your point it's it's like there's there's a lot that they kind of are leaving on the table here and maybe it's going to be explored in in future series like unless of New they, York unless they unless they pull the Loki again right unless they are going to give us a season 2 of this show when it's not expected so um we'll have to wait and see but uh Let's kind of keep going here. We see Clint standing in front of the Battle of New York Memorial as he tells Natasha he misses her and that he's sorry for what he's about to do. This is followed by a scene where we see Kate reflecting on all her past achievements and, of course, her first bow. And she kind of gets picks herself back up. She's inspired to get back to Clint. And after way too many voicemails, uh, she tracks down his location and travels to Fat Man Used Cars, uh, which I thought was funny that it's now a used car lot instead of a, a repair shop, um, <laughs> where after a brief call with his wife, Clint takes out Kazi uh, and all the tracksuits before confronting Maya, telling her they are both weapons manipulated by the same guy, her boss. She calls him a monster and tells him he's lying. And just as she's about to get the upper hand on him, Kate stops her with a well-placed arrow. Clint escapes, and then we see Kazi meet up with Maya to check on her where she asks him about his whereabouts during the night her father died. So let's dig into all of that. You know, if you want to talk about the the actual scene, the confrontation, or even the moment between uh, Kazi and Maya at the end there. Why did Clint go f- from this ominous scene at the attack of new york memorial where he asked natasha for forgiveness for what he was about to do and then he just kind of turns around and he has to go and talk to maya for another stern sort of talking to be like listen leave me alone stop chasing me why did he have to ask for forgiveness for that well is it that he has to become the ronin one more time is that what he's sort of i think that's kind of where they were going with it yeah i think it's just that along that lines of like he's he's dipping back into that that dark version of himself and he, he's he's just trying to make sure he's okay on all fronts um but i i did want to just kind of bring up the the thing about kazi and how sort of maya suspects kazi and i think it brings up the question of like did kazi kill maya's dad and i don't think i don't think he did but i think he is the informant that brought the Ronin to the tracksuits because again, it would just it would mirror Kate's experience so well with her mom lying to her, right? Like her mom being at the root of her darkest moments with the death of her dad, and then Kazi, the one person that Maya can trust, being right. And again, it's just it's it's cool how they're they're utilizing these parallel storylines and finding different ways to still bring these characters in alignment. It's, I, I don't know. I just I really appreciated that. Yeah. Well, yeah, he definitely seemed kind of sketchy too. Once she, she said, uh, "I let him," he got away. He's like, "No," and they started pacing around. Like, he didn't have all that much on the stake. I thought. I thought it was her, her hunt for him that was dry, like uh, hunt for the Ronin that was you know making him help. But he seems to have wanted him dead just as much as she did for probably different reasons. Now that we know. Well, I mean, I I just hope you know to Kevin's point earlier that we do get more clarification on that, or or, or are they going to save? Are they going to bring Kazi back in Echo? It's, you know, it's, again, maybe that's where they can kind of still leave some some loose ends at the end of this series for, for her character. But uh, before we get in talking about another whole series, let's finish up this episode. We get all the way to the end of this episode where we see uh, Yelena tracking down the woman who hired her uh, where a lovely, sorry, the end of this episode where we see Yelena tracking down the woman who hired her and then at a lovely sort of bl- brunch uh, with with Clint and Grills and Pizza Dog, Kate receives the biggest reveal of the episode. Uh, and after showing these text messages to Clint, he confirms 
That's the guy he's been worrying about the whole time. Kingpin. So, we finally got confirmation Kingpin is back, played, according to the credits, by Vincent D'Onofrio. I think we all saw this coming. So, that brings us to the end of this episode and our prediction segment, which we call Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Where we want you, I want the three of you to, you know, hit me with your your theories and and predictions uh, on what this reveal could mean for the series. And then once all the arrows fly, we can assess throughout the series to see if you were truly on target. Or I guess uh, next week we can find out if you were on target. So, um, Kevin, why don't we start with yourself, my friend? Why don't you shoot first and tell me what did you think of finally seeing the big guy on screen and what the heck is he doing with Eleanor? Uh, yeah, I mean, I personally thought it was a, an interesting way to sort of finally reveal the character. Um, much like a lot of the things happening in this show, it just it served more to pose more questions than actually give answers about what his role is, how much he's been pulling the strings and manipulating right. everyone all along. So, yeah, I just I, they have so much left to answer in one episode go, going forward. I'm very curious to see how they're going to manage uh, doing that. Yeah, as as I was saying at the top, I was I, I don't like the fact that they they just left it to a a cell phone photo reveal for the character. Uh, I maybe it's, they're being tongue in cheek with it because that's usually how these things get leaked in real life is is a photo from a set. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it kind of looked like a set photo, right? Yeah. It did, right? It did, it did. So um, that being said, I am I am very happy that. You know, this did not go down the Mephisto slash Nate Fisto situation uh, <laughs> of speculation, and and it actually He's still out there, dude. He amalgamated into into actually being this, and I think that this sets up a lot for what could potentially be uh, more of a, a criminal organization that that Kingpin is a part of that involve characters like Eleanor and uh, Val. Uh, because obviously, right. given the circumstances of the situation and and who's been involved, we have to assume that Val. And and Fisk, the kingpin, have have been working together. Well, then again, this is where I mean, my a lot of my speculation on Yelena's uh, purposes for why she's doing what she's doing uh, comes from. Because I mean, why would she care about who hired her if she just want, had a grudge against Clint, like Clint, in the first place? Like the fact that she's going to these lengths to figure out who hired her and then is letting Kate know when she finds out that hey, this is your mom who's dealing with this super bad dude. Like maybe you should you know, do something about this. Like, it feels like she is clearly has good intentions and wants to find out answers for herself before she does any, anything too drastic, I think. And again, with earlier in the episode saying she could have killed Kate right away. I feel like she could have killed Kate on the rooftop. She could have also killed Clint. Like that she was using that time to try and get a feel for what was going on right at the time, basically. So I see her almost teaming up maybe in the season, in the, in the finale to, to get answers. Interesting. I, I think, you know, I kind of really like that. I, I, I've got some minor predictions along those lines. You know, I think we're going to see Clint and Yelena come to terms with Natasha's death. I think there's going to be a really good, you know, heartfelt moment between the two of them that's really going to sort of put a, a, a pin in that narrative for both of them. I, I would hope. And I hope. I, I, I hope. You know, I, I think it would be, I think it, you know, this series has really helped to explore that. And now they can, the characters can move past that and I, yeah, I really we already, hope that that's kind of how that works with that note you know we already have the weight of what you know Natasha meant to Elena and through right. this series we've really experienced how Clint 
not just dealing with his own past, but like dealing with the loss of Natasha, his best friend, um, that that meant so much to him. I I think that this that would be a, the perfect closure to to this characters, you know, in this series or this storyline in the series with would be that that right cap. I hope they have that. I hope they have that. And I I, I think it would be a, a huge miss for them not to because again her Florence Pugh is just so good in this episode and as that character so again it would be really cool to see how she's at least a little glimpse into what her future is um, I also think and this is a little bit of a less stable prediction but I think we're going to get a full on kingpin scene at the end like near the end where they're all going to be in the same room and he's going to say some crazy you know paragraph of lines that is just going to be like major exposition but in a way that right like a monologue but like something (laughs) that like we you know again even though there's so much exposition in it normally that would bug a lot of us um but it won't i think it's gonna be done so well and i'm i'm so stoked to see d'onofrio again did it did you guys it didn't look like him in the picture i had to wait for the credits to get that confirmation no, I, I, I kind of knew immediately it was, it was him. Yeah, like it's such a he's got such an imposing figure. Like it's he is kingpin true to form. He has a cane through, though, eh? So. He has a cane yeah. this time around. Well, so yeah. That's, well, that's it's, if this is still following, you know, the Daredevil lore, he went to prison. I wouldn't be surprised if something happened there during right. one of his, sure. you know, trying to maintain dominance in there. I don't know. He's. He's clearly not afraid to fight for himself, and maybe he went too far is one thing. Him having a cane is also truer to the comics. That's kind of one of for his sure. go-to weapons. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I, I, I think that, you know, I hope we get something with him, but I, I hope we don't get a lot, because I really hope that what we get of him will at least help set up, um, you know, Echo kind of finishing finishing the task, right? Because um, I, I do think that this needs to stay focused on Eleanor, what her intentions are, what what her involvement obviously is, but what her intentions are, because that, you know, with Kate Bishop being, you know, part of this series, it's, it's we got to wrap her story. So very much like you're describing, mm-hmm. like wrapping, you know, that Clint Elena relationship and, and, you know, the closure of losing Natasha. I think they need to figure out what they're going to do with this mother-daughter relationship because it's, it's it's a little too ambiguous right now, right? If anything, the, another thing that kind of spun off the you know the confirmation that it's D'Onofrio is is it's giving me hope that we will see uh, Matt Murdock going one hundred percent as well. Tomorrow Maybe night, even tomorrow, like we'll see. Yeah, he like, will. Oh, he will be in there tomorrow. I feel like the fact that it was they waited, <laughs> they decided to do a cell phone reveal in episode five with what was yes. coming out tomorrow. And given on how they've done the Disney Plus with Star Wars reveal type thing, yep. I'm thinking back to that. I almost feel like I was watching this episode waiting for something that I could tie to the movie coming out tomorrow. Exactly. So, again, with exactly. the Statue of Liberty thing, I thought that yeah. was cool. But I was also like, but wait, what about Daredevil or just Matt Murdock? Give me him as a lawyer and I'll be happy. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. Not long, of course, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, so let's get to our overall thoughts for this episode. Uh, we're going to rate this episode on a scale of one to five kingpin-sized pots of mac and cheese. Kevin, why don't you kick it off for us, buddy? Uh, yeah, I was a little let down last week. Um, I thought the confrontation between Jack and Clint left a lot to be desired. Uh, and so I was a little apprehensive going into this week's episode. Um, and again, I'm, I'm still a little concerned that there's too much left to be answered with only one episode to go. That said, I'm very, very much engaged in finding those answers. And so I think the show has done an excellent job of making me 
really care about these characters and, and finding out what, what their future has in store for them. Uh, Florence Pugh is just so good as Yelena. She just takes that character and gives her so much. She's so fun to watch, you know, in that role. And so that was a big highlight for me, the, 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 the mac and cheese scene, if you will. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I think for a penultimate episode with the big reveal at the end, it was everything you kind of hoped for going into that final episode, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, so that said, I will give this episode a solid 4.4 out of 5 pots of mac and cheese. That's it. Well, close enough. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Darcy, how about yourself? Uh, I mean, I have a lot of things Kevin said there kind of uh, speak to a lot of what I was feeling coming off of the last episode. Again, I I had high hopes for the Jack DeCane character, and mm-hmm. so far I've been very let down by it. Uh, that aside, uh, I did enjoy the episode a lot. I loved a lot of the interactions between the characters. It's really good, like I said, parallels between a lot of the characters throughout the whole episode. Every scene almost seemed to be referencing the scene previous, which I thought was really cool. Uh so yeah, as a uh, season finale or next to season finale, I am really looking forward to seeing how they close out this story, at least for the season. Uh, and I'll be giving it a solid four point five out of five kingpin sized pots of mac and cheese. There we go, Justin. How about yourself? Yeah, I think that this series has been very consistent. Things to keep you as an audience hooked in wanting to see this story move forward, whether it be with its characters, whether it be with plot points. Uh, there's just there's such a, a very interesting story to be told here, and I think that they're doing such a great job with uh, planting the seeds and and serving up the answers to some of those. That being said, given that this is episode five, there's still a lot of questions on the table. Now, while I don't think that they need to resolve all of the questions. In the final episode, I am interested to see what does get resolved and what does sort of get pushed into potentially other series. Because like we were discussing before, it's not unlike Marvel to leave doors open so that things can be explored in in other series. So, you know, that being said, I'm going to give this what I've been giving most of these episodes, which is a 4.5 out of 5 kingpin-sized pots of mac and cheese because... You know, it, it's it's being very consistent, and and those that that point five might be in my cases the narrative qualities that either seem very convenient or seem very forced in. Like last week, it was the Larper scene. I think again this this week, it was nice to see Grills and his importance, but it also just felt feels some sometimes those moments just feel a little more shoehorned in, just to give some breathing room in and around a really impactful scene like. Yelena and Kate Bishop getting to know each other. It's going to have those little those little peaks down, but for the most part, as, as an MCU show, this has been one of the most consistent. I agree with you in, in most of that. I do think this... I think a lot of our um, expectations for penultimate episodes outside of the MCU... Um, you know, usually when we get to a penultimate, it's like, okay, like Game of Thrones, like the penultimate is going to be the big thing, and then the finale is going to be kind of like the... The, the the continuation or, or how these characters are going to move on, the sort of slower paced. And and that's kind of how we, we've been getting outside of the MCU. But like this reminded me a lot of WandaVision's uh, penultimate in that it was much quieter. Um, it, it was really just focused on character moments. But I unlike that penultimate episode where it was really solidly focused on that single character uh, of Wanda, this episode for me felt like it it was kind of all over the place it it um the different plots felt like they were moving at different speeds and the narrative to me felt a little jumbled to your point justin where you're talking about like the grills moments just sort of being there 
and then kind of cutting in between that scene with with Kate and Yelena, it it just felt like it was kind of going all over the place where it, it could have been structured um, a little bit better. That being said, I loved seeing more Yelena. Uh, I think, again, Florence Pugh is just killing it in that role. And Kevin, to what you were saying, like she's elevating that character so much. Her interaction with Kate was probably the most memorable thing from this episode. Um, but I think the rest of the episode, a lot of it sort of just felt like it got lost in the in the mix. I will say the, the, the sort of the ending where we get the D'Onofrio reveal didn't blow me away as much as I thought it was going to, to your point, Justin, where it was just kind of in a, a text message. Um, it was kind of just like, oh, okay, kind of feeling. Um, but I, I will say, tying in the idea that they're all being, every single one of them are being manipulated in some way, this episode does a really good job of that. And again, as we called it out throughout the episode or throughout the series, these mirrors that we keep seeing between all these characters. And because this episode does such a good job with that and really manages to tie it all up with just a text message. Uh, it bumped my score up a little bit to a, a four out of five kingpin-sized pots of mac and cheese. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me toss this bottle of sriracha did I say that right? Sriracha? Uh, over <laughs> to our infamous Ronin, Justin, uh, to tell you how you can reach us. You can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter at GeekcentricYT or on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, including our spoiler-free reviews for Don't Look Up and The Kingsman, as well as our Spider-Man rewatch episodes, including our discussions around the Toby and Garfield movies and another one centered around our beloved Tom Holland Spider-Man, along with all of our predictions for Spider-Man No Way Home. And we're also going to be covering Spider-Man No Way Home with a uh, full spoiler-filled review coming to you right after its release very soon. So please subscribe. You can listen in for all that Spider-Man goodness. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. How many times can I say Uh, (laughs) Spider-Man? So that is it. Justin, Kevin, Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this week's Watch Club. And as we say... Good boy, boy. boy. peace dog. dog.